Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby of Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the candle, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't going to tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So if you've got your Bibles, turn with me. We'll, we'll start in Ephesians, and then we're going to go to Titus and then to James. So kind of right through the New Testament. So uh, yesterday... I decided that, you know, we were, it was supposed to start snowing here about one o'clock in the morning. And so I decided to do something that I rarely do. I'm going to be proactive. Uh, you know, I work better under pressure. So, you know, usually I wait till the last minute to do everything. But yesterday I was like, you know what? I'm going to get the trailer hooked up. Uh, I'm going to get my truck plugged in and man, I'm going to be ready for tomorrow. And so I, I go out there and we just installed a new water line and, and around the back of the house to our calving pasture where we keep our weaned calves. And we even thank you to Gary Noonan and Roger and everybody that, that had a part in that. And uh, we installed a, a tank heater. We, we did something right. I mean, it's crazy. I know y'all, y'all probably don't believe me, but this time I'm telling the truth. Um, we did it right. We didn't have to bust water for the calves. Uh, yeah. And so anyway, because we had a ditch dug where the equipment trailer usually parks, I had to park it in another spot. And so anyway, I I back my truck up there and I go to cranking on this deal that has never this jack that has never seen grease or WD 40. It sounds like me when I wake up in the mornings, you know, just and so, anyway, I get it just nearly high enough to get on the ball because it had settled some, and it rolls off the block. Well, now it's like this far. It's like this much too short. So I take a deep breath, and that's why I don't do things proactively, right? Because it just causes problems. And so I was like, okay, keep your Christianity, you know? So I go, and I try to start the tractor, If you've ever been out to our place to try to start our tractor, it will test the limits of the Pope's faith in God. So I finally get the the tractor started and I go over there and I lift it up and I put the block back under it and I set it down and I go over there to get my truck and where it had rolled off, now it's sitting on a hill and now all the way up, it won't get on the ball of my pickup. Because I've got one of those, I got tired of changing the balls because we used to have one for a, a two and five sixteenths and then a two inch and an inch and seven eighths. So I got one of those combos. Well, they don't drop down. They just come straight out. And so it was too tall. And I knew that I had another hitch somewhere. So I go and I dig through the barn and I find it, which is a miracle. I mean, we were praising God out there and, you know, on our knees that I actually found something. But it was a drop hitch, but... It surely it couldn't have been me. Somebody had put the ball on upside down, so it was even higher than the original one. So I'm taking a deep breath, and I'm not very Christ-like anymore. So I put it in the vise, and I get the biggest crescent that I can find, and I and nothing, nothing. So I'm like, please. Uh, and nothing's happening. So I actually found some WD-40, which was the second miracle of the day. And so I just spray the entire can of WD-40 on this just rusted, 
uh, receiver hitch, and I try again. And I'm like, pretty please, <clears throat> nothing. My, as a matter of fact, my, my vice even started to turn. And, you know, with my imbued physical strength, I was, ter- I was scared I was going to tear the vice apart. So anyway, I, I ended up taking out to a pipe vice that we have mounted on a pole. And so I took it out there and I put it in there and I tried again. Come on, pretty please. Nothing. So now my blood pressure is probably 3,000 over 2,500, something like that, you know, because I'm trying to do a good thing, right? And I am stomping around there. I'm mad. I'm red-faced. Why do things have to be so difficult? If you would have been there, you would have questioned my profession with my attitude. So I walked around there, and I found a four-foot piece of pipe, and I told that hitch, I'm not asking. And I was really scared that I was fixing to tear the post out of the ground, (laughs) But finally it, and it gave, right? And I was like, yeah, take that. So I take the pipe off and I reach over and I turn the nut and you know what happened, right? The ball turns too. Everything turns. Mm. Mm. So I finally, I couldn't find a pipe wrench. It was in the tractor that I was just in, you know, 20 minutes earlier, but I didn't look in the tractor. So anyway, I turned it around and put the ball in the pipe, in the pipe vise and screwed it down. And I, and I finally got everything done. And, and now I'm greasy from four gallons of WD-40. And any of y'all that know me, I can have cow crap in my eyeballs and in my mouth and never blink an eye. But if I get grease on me, I'm like a cat with a piece of tape on it. I'm just like, ooh, ooh. Ooh, and so anyway, I'm trying to wash my hands and nothing's coming off and I could never be a mechanic. It's God's gift to me, I believe. If you would have been out there yesterday, you would have, crest, you would have questioned my walk with God in regards to a hitch. I used to think that the worst thing about a hitch was, you know, usually they'll hit you about right here whenever you're walking around. And uh, I, I think I hate them more now changing a ball out. But I finally got everything done. I put the hitch, the receiver hitch on my truck and I backed up. And uh, anyway, a- as I was coming down, you know, it was wobbling because it was so high up. And I just knew it was going to fall off the block again. So I went back to praying. And uh, anyway, luckily I got it done. I got everything set up for our big snowstorm last night. And I walk out this morning, and there's no snow. So you're welcome, because that was all because of me. Every bit of it. You know, we should live in such a way that if someone speaks ill of us, no one would believe them. I did not do that very well yesterday. But that doesn't mean that I don't want to live that way. And so I started thinking about that, why it bothered me so much. And I had another sermon planned, but... God in his infinite wisdom uh, sent me in another direction at the last minute. And I kind of came up with this that I call the AIM method, A-I-M, the AIM method. And really, the the reason I thought about that is because we should always aim for the cross uh, of being Christ-like. And I think that there's, this is not the only way in the world, but I, I like stuff like this because Anytime I start to get mad or, or I'm acting in such a way that does not represent who I really want to be, I can always think that 
I should be aiming for the cross. Now, AIM is an acronym, and the A stands for amiable, amiable. Now, for y'all, for y'all hard-headed cowboys that's not sure what that means, I looked it up so that we could all know. It says, having or showing pleasant, good-natured personal qualities. I know two cowboys in the world that that fits. And we, that means we've all got a lot of work to do. Having, a, show, having or showing pleasant, good-natured personal qualities. And, and I think that where we need to aim for with that is master the art of remaining calm. That is the exact opposite of my nature. It is the exact opposite of my nature because one of my spiritual gifts is freaking out. I know none of y'all are like that. I know I'm the only one, so I'm preaching to the preacher today. But we need to, I need to master the art of remaining calm. I stink at this. <laughs> Nearly everybody that knows me personally will probably attest to that. But just because I'm not very good at it, it, it you know, when, when you're not good at something, sometimes those types of difficulties will reveal what we need to work on. So I decided last night that after looking in my Bible, that I would use the sunrise and sunset method of remaining calm. And, and what I mean by that is don't freak out until after you've experienced a sunrise and a sunset or like yesterday, a sunset and a sunrise. Because amazingly, after the sunset last night and after the sun rose this morning, that, that hitch and everything really wasn't that big of a deal. I mean, I, I got it done. I mean, is it really that big a deal? Should I have freaked out and wigged out and kicked posts and threw WD-40 cans and uh, cussed the tractor? And all? It's, not, it's not worth all of that. Because that's not who I want to be. So I don't, from now on, I am going to do my best to not respond to anything that might affect my demeanor until after a sunrise and a sunset or a sunset and a sunrise. And then if I need to freak out, I'll freak out. Y'all know that it's, it's important, right? If I'm still freaking out after a sunrise and a sunset. You know, here's the gist of it. Your first reaction to things usually doesn't contain a lot of wisdom. Your first reaction to a stressful situation usually does not contain a bunch of wisdom. The wisdom comes after you handle the situation well. Because later on, God might even use that as sermon material. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 26, Paul says, Be angry. And yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Man, it, you know, everybody says, I, I just, I, I have a hard time reading the Bible. I just don't understand what it says. Man, if you need me to explain that to you, um, I, you're, we're, we're probably making excuses for saying that we don't understand the Bible because I think that's just about as black and white as it gets. He's not saying that it's not a, that, that you can't get upset about something. He said, be angry, but yet do not sin. And, you know, I, I think that if you get to that place where, where you can get angry without sinning, I think you probably won't get angry in the first place, right? That's usually the way those things work. Man, who cares? It's, it's not that big of a deal. 
I mean, there's a thousand different ways that we can go. But as I said earlier, you know, we like that control. We want everything to go smoothly every single time. And when it doesn't, we enter into freak out mode or cuss mode or kick tractors mode or, you know, kick the dog mode. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Ephesians 4, 26. Are we aiming for the cross? Are, are we trying to become Christ-like? Because that, that, that is the goal of being a disciple of Christ. You, you know where the word disciple or really the word discipline comes from disciple. It means showing discipline in all that you do in an area of expertise. And we are called, those of us that believe in Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, as being ambassadors of Christ. That means that we do things the way he does them. We, we react to things like he reacts. Now, we're not God. But that doesn't mean that we should not do everything we can within our power to model the way he does things. The first way we can do that is by being amiable. The second way we can do that is by showing integrity. That's the I and aim. Amiable and having integrity. Integrity, the Bible defines it as adherence to moral and ethical principles, soundness of moral character. You know, I, I think that sometimes a, a way that I like to put it is, is character is, is who you claim to be. Integrity is who you really are. And, you know, integrity is doing the right thing. Even if nobody's watching, no, nobody in the world knew what I was doing out there yesterday. And I didn't conduct myself in a manner that, that maybe y'all would have been proud of. You would have found it funny, but that doesn't mean just because it's funny doesn't mean it's Christ-like. Do we have integrity? If you want to have integrity, you have to be who you claim to be. It can't be just an act. A character can act a certain way. But somebody with integrity is that through and through, regardless if anybody is watching or not. If we want to be who we claim to be, we have to be a man of our word, okay? We have to be a man of our word. And, and you know, the, sp the, the smallest part of keeping your word is keeping promises. You know, th that's part of it. But a lot of people think that, that, that keeping your word just means like if you make a promise that you'll follow through with it. And that, that's, a, that's a small part of it. I'm, I'm not saying that it's not. But I think it's the smallest part of keeping your word. It means being who you claim to be. You know, if you say that you're caring, then guess what you need to do? You need to be caring, right? That is so simple, yet at the same time, it's profound. If you claim to be caring, if you claim to love others, then guess what you have to do? You have to love others, not just those that are easy to love, but most importantly, the ones that you don't want to love. Be who you claim to be. You know, if you're a cowboy, then you better be a cowboy. This doesn't mean that you have to be able to rope a yearling by yourself or be able to start a colt or, or, you know, throw a turnover loop or anything like that. It means don't act like you can do something if you can't. Nobody will ever fault somebody for not being able to do something because there, there was a point in time when none of us could rope a yearling. But we didn't claim that we could. You know, just so often in this ministry, you know, people say, well, I'd like to come out and do this. Or, or you hear stories, people say, oh, I grew up writing. Well, there's, I was listening 
at 7.30, we're on the radio out of Brush or Fort Morgan, Colorado, and I was listening to the first part of Uncommon Sense on the way in. And it's really weird hearing yourself on the radio. But the, the only part that I listened to, because, you know, it's just a five-minute drive, you know, I, I said that there's a lot of people that say that they grew up on a horse, but yet they can't saddle one. Well, there's a big difference in growing up on the back of a horse and riding a few times when you were young. Okay, there, there's nothing wrong if you don't know how to ride. Man, we will help anybody regardless of whatever station you're in. It doesn't matter if you're a beginning cowboy. It doesn't matter if you're a beginning Christian. Man, we can help you reach the next level no matter where you are at. But just be honest with yourself about what your experience level is. Don't claim to be one thing whenever you're not. And that speaks to character. If you talk the talk, you better be able to walk the walk. And, and that goes for Christianity, that goes for cowboying, that, that goes for caring, that goes for loving, that, that, that goes for so many things. But the point is that we have to have integrity, that we are who we say we are. And I'd like you to ask yourself this question right now. Who is it that you want to be? Maybe more importantly, who is it that God wants you to be? Are you living up to that? Does your entire life revolve around becoming who God has called you to be. And I don't think that there's a single one of us right now that could stand up and say, you know what? I have absolutely reached the state of perfection that I am everything that God wants me to be. No, there, I don't think the, the only time we will reach that is when we stand before our Lord and Savior. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant get on in here. Then we will have become everything that God called us to be. So up until the time that Jesus comes back or your heart stops beating, we all got some work to do. Let's do it with integrity. In Titus chapter two, verses seven and eight says, and you yourself must be an example to them by doing good works of every kind. Let everything you do reflect the integrity and seriousness of your teaching. Teach the truth so that your teaching can't be criticized. Then those who oppose us will be ashamed and have nothing bad to say about us. Man, I'm the perfect example that I need to learn to practice what I preach. I'm not immune to this. I, I've got a ton of growth. If there was a spiritual journey of a million miles, I bet I've gone 25 miles of it. I still got a long ways to go. So don't think that just because I stand up here that I am light years ahead of any of y'all, but I guarantee you this, I'm going to keep going and I want you to come with me. Better yet, I want to go with you. I want to learn from you. I want to see how you handle these things so that, so that Christ can shine through you so that I can see a Christ-likeness in you. And I, and I hope to be able to do things where you can see that in me as well. And the last one, we've talked about being amiable. We talked about having integrity. And the last one's probably the hardest one of all. And that's M stands for meekness. M-E-E-K-N-E-S-S. Meekness. To me, meekness means strength under control. I always think of, of the cults that I have started that they go from wild and, and don't want to do anything for you to going to a point where you can rely on that horse's strength because we can't drag calves all day, but a horse can. 
You know, we might not be able to go out and gather a pasture and, you know, run over here and keep cattle from running off or anything, but our horse can. We bring that strength under control for a good purpose, and that's what God does for us. He wants to make us meek. There's two parts to that, okay? He wants to make us strong, but he wants that strength to be used for a good purpose. Meekness can also be summarized as advanced humility, advanced humility. I mean, being humble is hard enough, but, but adding to that like second level humility is meekness. Meekness isn't weakness just because they rhyme, right? Meekness isn't weakness any more than sugars made out of boogers. I, I, I don't know. You know, just because they rhyme doesn't make them synonymous. Okay. Christ was the strongest man to ever live, but he was also the most meek. Meekness is power. It is strength. It is endurance. And it is grit all rolled into one to make us something more than we could ever become on our own. So why is this so hard? Because the world does not want you to be strong. The world does not want you to be strong. It doesn't want you to be powerful. The world doesn't want you to have endurance. The world doesn't want you to have grit. It wants you to have all of the opposite so that you can be controlled by sin. Christ says, man, I'm going to take you and I'm going to make you a disciple. I'm going to make you one of my hands. I'm going to make you a cowboy. I'm going to make you into something that you couldn't become on your own. A, A horse can't become, a horse won't know how to, you know, no horse out there woke up one morning and says, I'm gonna go drag calves today. No, it needs a teacher. And Christ is our teacher so that he can make us meek and make us powerful, strong and endurance. But the world doesn't want that. The world wants us weak. The world wants us controllable. The world wants us down here. Christ wants us up here. And every stinking one of us here today, watching online, have that power available. We just have to listen and learn and obey. How does the world fight something this powerful? By convincing the people that meekness is weakness. But what does it look like? What does meekness look like in our everyday lives? It means putting others before yourself. It doesn't mean thinking less of yourself. It just means thinking of yourself less, right? It, it doesn't mean that, that you suddenly become a, a doormat for people to walk on. It means that you just hold the door open for them. You, you see the difference? God doesn't want people just to walk all over you. He just wants you to open the door for them. Be kind. Give the benefit of the doubt. What does meekness look like? That giving is better than receiving. And I'm not just talking about, you know, everybody, when a preacher says giving, people auto- automatically go to money. Oh, yeah, that's, that's a part of it. But, but if you want to be loved, you have to give love. That, that, that's the quickest way to do it. I mean, if, if you want a better marriage, it, it's not that you need to get more from your spouse. It means you need to give more to your spouse. Because the way God has made us, that if both of us are following Christ, give and you shall receive. Giving is better than receiving all the way around. You, you know, do unto others as you would have them do unto you. That's the golden rule. It used to be, it used to be posted in every classroom in America. I knew that before it was a Bible verse. I was actually shocked whenever I figured out it was in Matthew. I didn't know Jesus said it. Give unto others and, or do unto others, you'd have them do unto you. Put people before yourself. 
If you want something, give it. If you want to learn to be meek, be the first one there and the last to leave. Be the first one off your horse to get the gate, not just the last one sitting up there waiting on everybody else to do it. If you see somebody doing something, go give them a hand. All of these things, be the first one there and the last to leave and the only one with nothing left in the tank. And that's what meekness is about. James 3.13 says, who is wise and understanding among you? I ask you that question. Who is wise and understanding among you? Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in meekness and wisdom. And now we roll back to the very first. How do we get wisdom? By being amiable. By not freaking out because stress, hard situations. There's very little wisdom in a knee-jerk reaction of getting mad. We've got to learn to be amiable. We've got to learn to have integrity, to walk the walk, not just talk the talk. And we definitely need to learn the Christ-like quality of being meek. It is the only way to true power, true strength, true endurance, and grit in your life. Meekness is the answer. None of these things is the way the world operates. The world doesn't want you powerful. So it tries to convince you to be angry instead of amiable. It wants posers instead of those with integrity. And it wants arrogance instead of meekness. Do different. Be different if you want to live different. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for showing us the truth through your word. You have called us to a powerful life, but we trade it in on anger and lies and arrogance instead of aiming for the cross. True power only rests with the righteous. Let us repent, renew, and join you in the resurrection and become all that you want us to be. And it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.